Welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. I'm your host, Sean Morgan. We have a great show for you. We're going to be talking to Cynthia Hughes of the American Freedom Project. She is the aunt of a detainee from January 6th protest, and she is advocating and explaining the story and the travesty of justice that's going on and how we as American patriots can support and play a role in helping with this situation. We're also going to be talking about the breaking news today in my monologue, all of that and more as soon as we get back from a word from our sponsor. In early 2021, a short squeeze in silver was initiated. What does this mean? It means that individual investors can take advantage of a global supply shortage in silver, while the big banks will have to end their contracts with physical delivery of an asset that's becoming scarce to non-existent. Low supply plus high demand will cause prices to increase rapidly. The only way to take advantage of a short squeeze is to own physical silver. Call Sovereign Advisors today. They have over 27 years of experience identifying these trends. so you can maximize your return while at the same time minimize your risk. Call them today before prices go up any further. 720-605-3900. Take a look in the link in the description below or on our homepage to find out all about Dr. Kirk Elliott's ability to give you a free consultation about precious metals and your financial future. Stock market is really on a knife's edge right now. It's a really good time to take advantage of that free offer while it's still available. Well, let's get right into the breaking news headlines. We've got Biden's infrastructure bill is now requiring automobile manufacturers to include a sort of kill switch for new vehicles. And this special switch uh, or technology that's going to be embedded, be required to be a part of all new vehicles in the United States, according to this bill, if it gets passed, will really have the government be able to surveil all of your automobile activities, be able to remotely shut off your uh, car in the middle of whatever you're doing, prevent you from traveling, and also will be able to allow hackers to hack into your car system to shut off your car or even worse. So this is the type of government overreach that you can expect with the Biden regime and all of his cronies. It's time to really just Acknowledge the Democrats and the left for what they are. Stop hiding behind all the fake compassion and realize that this is super, super big government overreach in every single thing that they're attempting to do. Well, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial is kicking off and the defendant's, the defendant's lawyer had a very interesting talking point today. They said that ever since the Garden of Eden, men have been trying to uh, pass off the blame on things to women. And this is the same case with Ghislaine Maxwell. She's really the victim. Jeffrey Epstein was the big bad guy, and she uh, didn't do anything wrong. And so that's how they're trying to frame this whole story. It's interesting because the mainstream media has already been trying to frame Ghislaine Maxwell as a victim when she is the one who has personally sexually assaulted, according to uh, many, many uh, of these uh, true victims uh, who are underage, talking about really young girls here, she personally has sexually assaulted them. She wasn't just a bystander here. She was part of it. And let's not forget that 
Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell were hand in hand here running an international child sex trafficking and blackmail operation. This is not just some pervert billionaire who happened to be friends with Ghislaine. We have to remember where Ghislaine came from. Her father, billionaire media empire, triple agent for Israel, Russia, and the UK. Uh, this guy uh, had his own blackmail operations, taught his daughter everything she knows. And that's why she was messing around with Jeffrey Epstein, and they shared that black book of all of the most influential people in the world. This is the most historic and important trial of our times. And perhaps, just maybe, it's the reason why so many prominent individuals are now resigning. We certainly know that the executive at Barclays admits that they're resigning because of his association with Epstein. Well, what about the chief uh, financial officer of Walmart after 22 years just happened to uh, resign this week? What about the CEO of Twitter just happened to resign this week? Uh, the list really goes on and on, not to mention all the politicians that are resigning or saying they're not going to run for re-election, there's a reason for this. Uh, it's all connected, and it's all going to play out in real time, and we're going to be covering it the whole time. So interesting that the FAA has slipped up. They accidentally revealed over 700 previously unknown Epstein flights as the Ghislaine Maxwell trial begins. I don't know if this is just a white hat inside the FAA that wanted this information out into the public. Unfortunately, there weren't any names associated with these 700 flights, but it does give us an idea of exactly where Epstein and his right-hand woman, Ghislaine Maxwell, were going. You know, we know exactly which airports and cities and towns they were going to. And uh, there was this gap of a couple of years where we didn't know where they were going, but now we do. So, Thank goodness for open source information. All of us can be citizen journalists and find out the truth. Now, the mainstream media is spinning and framing this whole Ghislaine Maxwell story to try to make Trump look bad, just like they always do. Because Trump knew Epstein, but unlike Bill Clinton, he never actually went to that infamous pedophile island, nor did he ever fly on the Lolita Express. And so, but they're trying to say that there's this really close association that Trump was, you know, going all over the place on these private jets. In reality, Trump did make one flight from Florida, New York City alone without Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and so they're trying to take that small little piece of information and try to make Trump look like the guy who's really connected to a child sex trafficking ring. Well, let's just bring up all the other relevant data points. Who was the person who kicked off Jeffrey Epstein from his Mar-a-Lago resort for life? It was Trump. Who was the president when Jeffrey Epstein was arrested? It was Trump's Department of Justice that did that. It was Trump that called out Bill Clinton in 2015 at the CPAC uh, conference. Trump saw all this coming. Trump was the one who put an end to this child sex trafficking operation. And so don't try to blame Trump. Try to look at who's really responsible. It's the person that's actually on trial. And certainly the Clintons and a lot of others are certainly implicated because they actually went to the pedophile island. 
All right, let's take a look at how Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has reached a deal to cooperate with the January 6th committee here. It's interesting because Trump has encouraged his allies to not comply with these subpoenas, and yet Mark Meadows is moving forward here. It makes you wonder, is Mark Meadows actually a black hat and he's, you know, just being weak here? Or is this one of those things that Trump always seems to do where he sets people up in some kind of trap? Does he actually want some of this information to get into the public record? And is Mark Meadows the guy to do that? We already know that the uh, police chief in New York City wants to bring voter fraud evidence into this trial. And uh, Trump gave him the right to share uh, privileged information. So it looks like Trump does want this information to get into the public setting, just like Trump acts like he's trying to hide his tax returns when in reality it's a whole trap. This is a classic Trump art of war type of tactic, and I'm really looking forward to it playing out. And if you were able to catch the Friday interview with Patel Patriot, he explained how Mark Meadows is an important player uh, in this whole devolution theory that he has. So check that out. That was two Fridays ago. Next, we're going to talk about Kamala Harris. There's been rumors, nothing substantiated here, but certainly on CNN and all types of mainstream media, they're putting out this idea of the nuclear option, where somehow someone dies or gets murdered on the Supreme Court, then to get rid of Kamala, they could nominate her for the Supreme Court. See, the problem is that although Joe Biden has historical unpopularity, Kamala Harris has even lower popularity. So they can't just make her the president because everyone hates her and they won't have a mandate to be able to actually get things done and so forth. They want some kind of charismatic Obama character in there uh, that people like and trust so that they can get all of these anti-humanity bills passed. They're not going to be able to do that. Biden's on his last leg here. Kamala Harris doesn't know what she's doing. She's incompetent and she's hated. So it looks like the deep state's trying to get rid of both of their top people and replace them with who knows who it could be, but I'm guessing their last names could be Obama or Clinton. Well, the new Twitter CEO has a new policy, and you can see that you're not going to be able to post any images or videos of people without their permission. Now, this is going to certainly affect Project Veritas because that's exactly what they do. The only people who are going to be able to do that sort of thing are mainstream media sources, and you're going to have to bet that they're not going to include Project Veritas as a mainstream media source. So as Jack Dorsey leaves, it looks like the new CEO is getting an even more Orwellian and censorship-based policy in place. Let's take a look at President Trump's official statement here. He says that, let's see here. He says, it's really interesting. Everybody wants me on television. I get the highest ratings by far. They need ratings to survive, and yet I put out a challenge to debate me about the massive election fraud, which took place in 2020, and there are no takers. So this is really funny that he goes on to talk about how he's offering to debate any Democrat, anyone about a voter fraud, any rhino about voter fraud, and no one's taking him up on the offer, even though they could 
certainly get some primetime coverage. Uh, he's really uh, showing their true colors that they are not willing ideologically and intellectually to stand behind these arguments. He also put out a couple of really funny and interesting official statements today. He said, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar should apologize for marrying her brother, committing large-scale immigration and election fraud, and wishing death to Israel, and for essentially abandoning her former country, which doesn't even have a government exactly like she'd like to see for the United States. That's our president, Donald Trump, actually calling out Ilhan Omar for marrying her brother and committing fraud. So I don't think he would do that if he didn't have the goods on this. Now, she officially denies these allegations, but I think the reason why he's coming out in full force is because he has the evidence. It's another Trump trap coming up. He also said, if Democrats don't immediately stop smash and grab robberies, which are taking place in their cities, the National Guard must be called out. There has never been such a thing that has happened in our country. Large numbers of stores are leaving San Francisco and other cities. Some chains are closing most of their stores. It is all not even believable. Interesting that he's talking about the military and the National Guard. Uh, this kind of plays back to some of these theories about Trump being connected to the military and the devolution plans and the Q drops. I know that this show doesn't always go down the rabbit hole, but I think we should all do our research and consider these types of things. Why on earth is Donald Trump talking about calling out the National Guard? Is it just a policy suggestion when he knows Joe Biden's not going to do it? Or is the National Guard going to play a very important role in the future when the deep state needs to be held accountable? That's it for the monologue today. When we come back from our break, we're going to be talking to Cynthia Hughes, the aunt of a January 6th detainee. She started a project to help advocate for these detainees. She's going to share his story and the story of other detainees as soon as we get back. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. That's why I invented my pillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial right now. Retailers have canceled my pillow. And to thank you for your support, I'm going to pass the savings directly on to you. Go to mypillow.com right now to get deep discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you can get my premium my pillows regularly $69.98, now just $29.98, the lowest price ever. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Mike Lindell, what a patriot. I mean, who has risked more? His reputation, his business, he's been canceled. He was in every mall in America, but they canceled him because he stood with our President Trump. And so what can we do? We can actually get American-made products for our own families and support his business at the same time. Use the AMP promo code, AMP888, to get a discount. You can find that in the description below or on our homepage. All right. Well, Cynthia Hughes is the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project. This is what she had to say about her nephew's detention. Since my nephew's arrest, and as the seconds turned into days and days turned into months, I could not stay silent any longer. 
Nobody was speaking out with the exception of the great Julie Kelly. I just saw the need to become the family advocate. This foundation has created a small community filled with love and support, as well as lots of comfort. There's a need for someone to speak out and go into battle. This is my David versus Goliath moment. Let's welcome Cynthia Hughes to the show. Hi, Sean. Yes, great to meet you, Cynthia. Well, let's start at the beginning because not everyone's familiar with your nephew's story. Can you start at the very, very beginning when he was at the protest? Um, so, you know, I have to be careful, you know, talking about the charges, but, um, so yes, he was at the Capitol January 6th. Um, he wore a suit and tie. Um, he had previously been to the other Stop the Steal rallies, um, in November and December, no issues, no problems at the Capitol. Um, and that day, everything you know, seemed normal until things didn't seem normal. Um, came home, he went to work, he worked uh, overnight. Uh, he is, or he was an army reservist um, living on the military base. Um, he had an overnight job uh, at the military base. He came home, he went to his job. Um, and he shared uh, his experience at the Capitol that day with his one of his, well, we think one of his roommates and uh, some other people that he worked with. Um, and so we don't, we're not sure who, but somebody wore a wire and uh, got him to talk about um, some things at the Capitol and some thoughts about history, Amer you know, American history, and. Um, Next thing we knew, he was um, tackled by the feds, uh, NCIS, and he was arrested on January 17th, and he has been incarcerated since that day. He's been in D.C. since February 3rd. Prior to February 3rd, he was in six jails before he made it to D.C. where he got COVID. Fortunately, it wasn't so bad, and you know he survived it. Solitary confinement from January till June, um, for all, all of these men, um, they would have one hour a day of rec time to call their lawyer, call their loved ones, take their shower, make their cup of coffee before they had to go back into their cell. Um, no outdoor rec for months. Um, now they get about three to four hours, maybe sometimes five hours. There are a couple of, um, you know, corrections officers who are really, really kind and, and, you know, generous and, and good to them who do give them, you know, more than the four or five hours sometimes. Um, no religious services, no um, personal grooming services. He has not shaved since January 15th, um, has not had a haircut since, you know, January, um, hasn't held a razor in his hand since January. Um, they have a lot of issues with the food in the jail, um, hard to get medical attention. Oh, I could keep going, Sean. It's just, it's, it's a true travesty. Um, constant delays yeah. on trials. This is unbelievable. This is torture. Uh, I can't believe this is happening in America. Uh, can you tell me about the fact that bail isn't being offered here? This is a pretrial detention. You're saying it's uh, unlawful. Uh, can you go into that, please? So um, he has not been charged with assault. 
He has not been charged with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, anything violent. He has not been charged with conspiracy. Um, everybody's charged with these same charges, trespassing, obstruction, civil disorder, um, parading and picketing. He has all of those charges like everybody else does. Um, and he has no criminal history. He um, and, and he can't make bonds. I mean, we've had three bond hearings. He's been denied bond because they think he is, you know, a danger to society. Um, and they think that, you know, he's capable of, you know, creating civil war in the country. You know, him, him alone, um, it's quite comical. And uh, we've appealed it and the appeal was denied. Um, and, and we, there was three judges that sat in on his appeal uh, hearing. One of them was a Trump appointed judge. Um, she denied the appeal as well. And, um, but we have a new lawyer now. We have a great lawyer now. Um, we had a public defender until the summer. And I said, you know, enough is enough because he was kicked out of the army. So I went looking for, um, you know, a lawyer to handle the charges from the army. Um, and I was able to discuss with him, you know, the, the criminal side of things. And he was interested in the case and we hired him. What's interesting to me is he didn't have a weapon, apparently. He didn't do anything violent. He wasn't aggressive. He didn't have any history of that, apparently. Uh, and let's just keep it general that a lot of people were not aggressive, were not violent, were not charged with anything violent. And yet they get this treatment where they get tackled to the ground as if they couldn't have just knocked on the door and said, hey, you're, you're coming with us. And they would have voluntarily you know, gone. Uh, and then solitary confinement, no razor blades to shave your face. I mean, acting like these people are some kind of violent threat when there's no evidence uh, of that at all. Um, and, and the most important part to me is the fact that there's no bail. I mean, this guy in Wisconsin uh, drove in a zigzag pattern to try to kill as many people as possible with his SUV. He got $5 million bail. I mean, he, he he was on out on bail uh, when he did the mass casualty event, right? So why do you think that these Americans who have not been even accused of doing a violent crime, why can't they get bail? Well, because they support Donald Trump. It always comes down to Donald Trump. This is the what, the third impeachment of Donald Trump. They couldn't get to him through the impeachment, right? They couldn't get to him through the whole Russian thing. They couldn't, they couldn't defeat him, you know, um, you know, in, in the election. What better way to hurt him? To me, this would hurt him the most, hurting his supporters, hurting the people that, you know, he knows would stand up for him and, and love him and adore him and, um, and I can't imagine that this doesn't hurt him. Um, and they still support him. They still care very much about him. They still look at him as their president. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's what's hurting them. That's what's keeping them there. You know, there are some people who took plea deals and basically sold their soul, you know, uh, apologized for supporting Trump, you know, um, you know, uh, well, let's talk about that. Isn't there some kind of re-education going on inside these uh, uh, jails? I hear a lot of stories about how they're 
forced to watch certain programs and encouraged to basically recant their ideology, uh, political ideology. So any comments on that? There's nothing like that that goes on per se, you know, in the jail. But yes, some of these judges do reprimand these, you know, defendants, have them writing, you know, apology letters, having them, you know, basically recant their support of Trump, having them, you know, basically saying, you know, they shouldn't have gone there and, you know, they they regret their decision. You know, I'm sorry, if, if you, if, if you, I mean, it's easy for me to say because I, I'm not in jail and thank, you know, thank God, um, I did not go to Washington, you know, uh, on January 6th, but I supported Donald Trump um, in, in both elections and I proudly voted for him. I would vote for him again and I will never recant my support of him. And that is what these judges and these very biased public defenders and these, you know, certain politicians want to hear. They want to hear people say they do not support Donald Trump. And all right. would be right in the world. We're not going to do I that. I actually heard the same talking points when a leftist mainstream media uh, journalist, so-called journalist, interviewed Kyle Rittenhouse. They just kept pressuring him. This is after his Tucker Carlson interview. The next day he did another interview. And they just kept saying, do you regret going to, to the protest? Do you regret having the gun? Do you regret, you know, defending yourself? It just over and over and over again with the same exact points that you were talking about, trying to get people to just say, just say, yes, I was wrong. I apologize. You know, even if what they did was completely constitutional and lawful, just trying to get them to uh, submit to, to this new ideology that uh, you can you can assemble as a black lives matters protester and be violent and loot and do arson and it's fine but if you're a trump supporter uh you can't have a gun you can't defend yourself you can't uh peacefully even peacefully assemble uh but you're gonna have to submit to this new regime it's, it's very communist this whole detention thing reminds me of of a gulag or, or of a Gitmo where you get tortured. Uh, so tell me about the public defenders. Uh, what was going on there? You call them public pretenders. Were they even trying? Uh, you know, what happened there? What's the strategy they were using? Listen, there, there are some that are very good. You know, I, you know, you have to give the devil its due, right? Um, you can't knock all of them, but there's not many. Um, the majority, they just do the bare basics, you know, they, they don't want to put the time in or put the fight in, um, you know, for probably a ton of reasons, you know, their career, um, they're a Democrat, they don't like Trump, they are totally against what happened on January 6th. So, and, you know, and therefore, they're, they're just going to do, you know, basically what they can, you know, there's plea deals that are, you know, being offered to these, um, you know, these defendants, how can you offer a plea deal when there's, you know, all, all the discovery hasn't been out? That's another big problem. A lot of these um, defendants have not seen their discovery yet. And why is that? I mean, it's been a really long time, hasn't it? What, what's what is due process? You know, what was the normal length of time? 
Due process? You, you say, what is due process? Ironically, what is due process and where is it? Because it doesn't apply to this group. Um, I think due process is, it's, don't quote me, Sean, 70 days or 90 days. My nephew was supposed to go to trial November 9th. And his trial got moved to May 23rd. He'll be in pre-trial detention for 16 months at that point. And that's the case for a lot of these men. There's over 40 guys in the D.C. jail. Um, Some people have already died in detention, right? Nobody died in detention, no. Somebody died from, I think, heart complications. Um, I'm not sure from if it was unrelated, but no, nobody died in, in detention, no. But the person that died, my point is that if you spend a year of your life or longer in detention, and you're elderly, as some of these people are, you can miss the end of your life. You can die, literally die, uh, never having been able to defend yourself or even see the evidence being supposedly being presented against you. Um, so this is unbelievable. 16 months uh, for trespassing. Uh, this is unbelievable. So, okay, so um, let, let's go a little bit more. The, the discovery has been delayed that long. When, when do you have any idea when or if they will even get the opportunity to look at the full discovery? No, that's the problem. No, it's constant. You know, we need more time. We need, uh, you know, we need delays. You know, we need a continuance. We need, and it's always because they don't have the discovery. They're waiting, you know, to build their, you know, their government database. They claim to make it easy for the lawyers to share their discovery. But here's the thing, like our lawyer, for example, has been trying to set up a legal call with his client for over a month now, two months almost. You can't get through to nobody. You can't set up these legal calls. How are any of these men supposed to participate in their own defense when they don't have access to their lawyers and they haven't seen their discovery? I mean, right. those are two key things to be able to defend yourself. And these guys are being La denied that completely. Last night, I interviewed the parents of Lieutenant Colonel, um, a Marine, in, and he already has a deal. Uh, and all they have to do is sign the paperwork. But they're delaying signing the paperwork. In the meantime, he's under a gag order, and he can't say anything bad about the military leadership. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the attorney general in Arizona. You know, he's slow playing, uh, you know, prosecuting anyone for election crimes. Uh, I'm just seeing all over the place this kind of tactic that the deep state, that the bureaucrats, that the leftists and the power brokers do. It's called running out the clock, right? They're just mm -hmm. trying to run out the clock for as long as possible. What are, do you think are some of the benefits that they get from running out the clock? Well, I think that the government um, feels that they can break these guys, right? The government feels that if they um, just keep delaying their trial, keep delaying, you know, giving them the discovery, you know, the, the fact that these guys, I mean, we're going on a year here. In, in just five weeks, it's going to be one year that these guys are in jail. So I think the government is banking on you know, the guy saying, okay, I, I've been in jail for a year. I've been separated from my wife. I've been separated from my children. 
you know, okay, I'm, I'm ready to make a deal. But I have to tell you, this government is underestimating these men because these men are strong. They don't want to be in jail. Of course, they don't want to be in jail. They don't want to be separated from their wives, their children. It's the holidays. It's rough. But they, what did they do, Sean? What did they do? You know, there's something in this country called innocent until proven guilty. Everybody gets that on the left. But this group is denied all, you know, all rights to a fair and speedy trial. They're denied, you know, their right to due process. They're, they're denied their discovery. They're denied access to, you know, their lawyers. These husbands haven't seen their wives in almost a year. There's no visitation allowed. There's no video visitation for the guys in D.C. Now, in other jails, there is some video visitation. So some of the families do get to interact that way. But the wives do, in do you know why? I, 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 I don't understand this. I was a member of the Pennsylvania Prison Society, and I visited uh, prisoners and uh, this seems like a basic uh, human right here. Uh, it seems like a human right to be able to, uh, you know, cut your hair and have medical treatment and to be able to have visitation. Is there a precedent for this? Have you and the lawyers discussed this, uh, you know, isolation, the, the solitary confinement, the uh, lack of visitation rights? What is your comment on that? Uh, you know, again, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, um, torture, right? If, if you torture somebody enough, you know, you, eventually you hope they're going to break and give you what they want. So that's, I, I feel almost what they're trying to do here. You know, these guys are literally basically prisoners of war. They are polit political prisoners. Um, so to get what they want from these men, this is what they're going to do. You know, they're going to keep them in solitary confinement. They're going to, they were just in lockdown yesterday. Couldn't call home, couldn't connect with their wives, couldn't speak to their children, couldn't speak to their moms. You know, um, they're hoping and praying that it's going to break these guys. Some of these guys are way too strong for it. Like my nephew, for example, he'll sit there as long as he has to. He's not going to, he's not going to plead to something that he hasn't done. Um, and, and that's the case for a lot of guys. You know, there's, and there's a lot of veterans in there, you know, um, Veterans Day. There was a horrible incident there that um, that took place that, you know, a lot of the guys got maced and, um, you know, were forced into their cells, you know, basically suffocating from the fumes from the mace. You know, it's, you know, and, and also I feel very strongly that the government thinks maybe by torturing them, causing this havoc for them, it's going to affect the wives, it's going to affect the families out here so much that they're going to, you know, force their husbands or their loved ones to take a plea offer. But that's not the case either, because we have this support group in place. We have, um, you know, Patriot Freedom Project set up. We're very close. There's, you know, probably 60 families that are involved um, that, you know, just, just comfort each other. You know, we have private yeah. meetings, we have, you know, private chat rooms, and we just take care of each other. And because we so do that, Sean, it is, it is. And it, because we have it out here, it trickles in there. Right, right. It's that emotional and community support uh, that makes, because they're, they're banking on the isolation 
uh, that's going to divide yeah. people and, and, and make people feel weak. And they're also banking on ignorance. You know, what your advocacy group seems to be providing here is some legal savvy, right? I mean, people were kind of going with the public defender. The public defenders were failing them, giving them failing strategies. And your advocacy project is helping and supporting with getting better lawyers, right? Can you tell me about the needs and the, what your, your project does? Yes. So, you know, so we have the support group. This, you know, we started out with a small support group, um, which has grown. It's grown now. Um, and back in August, I received a phone call from Dinesh D'Souza, courtesy of Julie Kelly. And he just, you know, seemed to be very impressed with this group that I had put together. Um, and he donated $100,000 to my foundation or to my project. Um, and I realized, you know, very quickly that there was a lot of families in need and there's going to be, there's going to be a great need for financial support and emotional support, mental health support. And so I put the project together to be able to provide that because, you know, the wives, that is the true collateral damage and the children. It's, it's heartbreaking. Last week was very hard on these families. It was Thanksgiving. You know, um, there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. You know, I spoke to some of the kids um, on Sunday nights. We meet together in a, in a private uh, place. And I saw some of the kids and, you know, they were in tears. You know, they miss their dad. You know, they have their family routine. You know, they're going to put their Christmas tree up. It's Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know if I can put my tree up. I miss my dad. We have a little boy who's seven years old who says he can't remember his dad's face. This should be, this should weigh heavy on everybody's heart when you hear stories like that. How, how cruel can you be to allow this to continue? The people that are in the position to stop this and allow these men to be bonded out and to come home so they can prepare for their trial and be connected with their wives and their families and their children. You know, they yeah, don't want to do it and they don't want to do it because of politics. They're supposed to be presumed innocent. So why shouldn't they get the right to, to do all of those things? Now, there have been few Republicans willing to stand up or do something about these detainees. I just know that Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I believe it was Paul Gosar, I'm not sure uh, yes. who the other person was, uh, that visited to actually figure out what are the conditions, what can we do to improve the conditions, what's going on, can we get some, uh, even be able to see what's going on, because there's no transparency. Uh, and there's actually even been a few people on the left who have spoken out against this type of uh, treatment. Uh, so can you comment on that? Comment on the people on the right, uh, the people who are not doing anything, and uh, maybe you can even comment on the people on the left who actually are. So um, first of all, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she is, she's, she's a goddess. What else can you say about her, you know, her energy, the fight in her, the fire in her, her love of this country? Um, so her and... Uh, Louis Gohmert, they went to the jail. Yes, um, they they checked in on the guys. Um, they connected with the guys. They had conversations with the guys. And she told you know, well, not me, but she told Julie, it's as bad as as the guys say it is. It's it's really bad in there, she said. But without her and Louis Gohmert and Paul Gosar and Matt Gates, 
and Joe Biggs. They're the only ones. I think Senator Ron Johnson at one point tried to, you know, do some advocating, but then it stopped. Other than that, where where are they? They're, they all offer lip service, Sean. You know, they don't have a backbone to finally stand up and say, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this and I want answers. I'm going to demand answers. You know, they're afraid of the of political calls. backlash, right? That's what they're afraid of, that the, the left will use that as some kind of ammunition against them, that they'll be kind of yes. labeled as far right or something like that, just for caring about uh, detained Americans uh, and basic constitutional principles. Uh, so just that's just a handful. You can count them on one hand. Uh, out of yeah. all of the people, all the senators and Congress people, and not to mention all the other uh, people out there who are related to this type of work, not just official politicians, but I mean, people in the conservative movement, uh, very few people. How about on the left? Any comments on people uh, who you maybe didn't even expect to show that they care? I did hear that um, Elizabeth Warren you know, made a comment, you know, that this wasn't okay, but I, I haven't heard That's much was, about anybody comment. else on the left. <laughs> and quite honestly, I'm not interested in what the left have to say um, because they play by their own set of rules. They have no regard for the American people, even their own people that follow them and support them. They're, they, they offer nothing. Anybody in their right mind does not want to see what is going on in this country. I don't care who you support and which side of the aisle you fall to. Don't tell me that you are okay with what's going on in this country because I, I, I would be concerned <laughs> because right. Uh, well, the polls nobody show. wants to pay four dollars I mean, a gallon for gas. You know exactly who, who the polls are fake, and even the fake polls show that uh, Biden and Kamala are the least popular ever. So yeah, there, there's no. People know. People know that Afghanistan, uh, you know, the with botch withdrawal is just a good example of, of the failure of the Biden regime. Um, but this is another example. January sixth. This is something people don't talk enough about. They're so afraid of being labeled, of being uh, unpopular. Uh, uh, it's just one of those taboo subjects because of how hard the mainstream media and the Democrats have tried to label people who went to that protest as insurrectionists, even though no one even got accused of insurrection as a crime. Uh, so yeah, they've really, really, this is a psychological operation. Tell me about the people on the inside of those jails. What are they doing to keep their faith, their loyalty, their patriotism, their, you know, just so they don't get demoralized in there. What are they doing to, to keep their spirits high? Um, they're, they're pretty united. Uh, they all have Bibles. Um, there, there is some Bible study at times. It's, um, you know, there are your little, you know, cliques, if you will, of, of, you know, who, who wants to be doing one thing and somebody might want to be doing another, but they're pretty united. They're pretty respectful of each other. Um, they spend, you know, time together. I mean, they're in close quarters together. Um, they sing the national anthem together every night at 9 p.m. Um, without fail. You know, they they get their newspapers. They read. They, you know, what what can they do? I mean, how monotonous 
is this whole thing for them when you think about it, right? You can only sleep so much. You can only read so much. You can only, yeah. you know, they're probably the Bible so experts <laughs> by this yeah. one year of studying the Bible every day. I mean, that's that's not a bad thing. Uh, but uh, no. yeah, there's not much to do. Uh, the, the national anthem story. I, I just wanted to check to see if that was true. I, I heard that, and now you're confirming that for me. But that's that's heartwarming. That's that's so great to hear that there's some way for them to connect, even if. They're, you know, physically, even maybe some of them are physically separated, but to know that there's still faith, there's still patriotism, there's still this belief in our country, despite being political prisoners, despite all the odds against them, despite a year away from their family and the torture, uh, they're still singing that national anthem. That means a lot to me uh, that they're yeah. they're keeping that going because they could have all easily just taken plea plea deals said that Trump is an orange man bad and they'd be out of there. Uh, but you know, they're, they're, they're still going. They're fighters. A lot of them are veterans. Let's talk about the liability because look at Kyle Rittenhouse as an example. This is a guy who kind of was made as an example here. You know, they threw the book at him. They made his bail super expensive so that he had to have a whole national movement just to bail the guy out. Uh, you know, then they painted him as uh, violent, uh, as a white supremacist. You even had the president of the United States, President Biden, calling him a white supremacist. Every mainstream media source calling him a white supremacist. Then he gets acquitted of all counts. He goes on Tucker Carlson and says he supports the BLM movement. Uh, you know, I mean, this guy is not a white supremacist. And now... Seems like he has the ability with his defamation lawyers to pull a Nicholas Sandman and get millions of dollars in punitive damages for them, you know, smearing him. And especially that he's a minor, that certainly helps his case. What about the damages here uh, to be tortured and be separated from your family, to be denied due process? I mean, um, hopefully with the support that these guys should get from Republicans, from the president, President Trump, from uh, just people in the conservative movement. Uh, don't you think that they should have a lot of resources to be able to demand those types of uh, damages from their government who has done this to them? Oh, yeah. And I think I think they'll have it. I do think they'll have it. You know, there's the fallout from this and the collateral damage from this is, is so profound. There's going to be such a need for, you know, for so many things. In just getting through 2022, you know, while these trials are taking place, these families, these wives need as much help financially, emotionally, mentally uh, as possible. Everybody's life is forever changed. These people will never go back to who they were before January 6th, 2021. Their lives are forever changed. I, I am very close with, um, you know, with a lot of all of the families, a lot of them, but there's two young ladies that I am very close with. Um, both of their husbands are incarcerated. They help me here at the foundation, um, um, Angel Harrelson and Haley McLean. Um, they're both amazing women. I was speaking with Angel today and she said to me, 
Um, you know, she's got to fix a piece of her fence in her yard. She's got, you know, people to help her, but she's got to go to Home Depot. She's got to buy the pieces to the fence. She's got to make sure the permit is right. I mean, these are things that her husband would be doing and helping with, and, you know, they would be doing together. It's a lot of burden on, on these women. And okay, let, let's, let me be devil's advocate for a second. Let's say you don't agree with, you know, what took place on January 6th. We know that there's a lot of people that don't agree with it, but I'd like to believe that the people in this country believe in the rule of law, believe in the constitution and believe in due process. Her husband should be home with her right now, helping her put her fence together because he has no criminal history. He is a veteran. He is, uh, has some health issues uh, and he, he didn't do anything wrong. And if you, he's got a very egregious case, her husband. Um, fortunately for him, he has a phenomenal lawyer and he's going he's gonna to come out on the other side of this. But this is just a small you know, fraction of, of what is happening to these families. There are many other families who are in the same boat as Angel. Right. Um, who have young children. Think right. about I'm that, I'm just thinking Sean. that right now. I mean, I, I have a wife who depends on me. I have a three-year-old child. I can literally not even conceive of how they would be able to support themselves if they if I was taken from their lives for over a year. I mean, it, it would be hard for them to li literally to survive. Uh, you know, so I, I know as a young father, how dependent uh, a, a mother, a wife, and, and small children are. Uh, not to mention the fact that a year of not having a father figure, how that damages and traumatizes uh, a family. Uh, so yeah. tell, tell people who are listening right now that they want to help. They want to be a part of your, your project. What can they do? Um, Sean, before I tell you that, if, if you would let me just tell you two quick things that I, I want to say. Um, I want to mention, you know, um, my good my good friend Haley. Her husband is um, boyfriend is detained. You know, they were building their life, planning their future. He had just started his own business. Another person with no criminal history, you, you know, worth noting, maybe a ticket. Um, good people come from good bones. Um, don't bother anybody living a good life. And he's detained in an ICE facility in Georgia. Okay. Um, really in solitary confinement, murders going on in that jail. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that are detained throughout this country that are not in DC. It's very important that the people listening know that. Um, and there's a lot of people that are on home confinement, a lot of people that are on um, you know, house arrest. There's there's 700 people caught up in this in this madness. So it's really important that um, everybody knows that. And and it's also important that people know these are everyday people you didn't hear about, you didn't know, you didn't know Angel's husband, you didn't know Haley's husband, you didn't know my nephew. And the reason you didn't know them is because they didn't bother nobody. They weren't people who got in trouble. They weren't people out here breaking the law, rioting and looting. You know them now because they support Donald Trump and the Democrat you know, party says you can't do that. You can't do that in this country. You can't support Donald Trump. So that's why you know who these people are. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, you asked how can, how can people help? Oh, I'm sorry. Another thing I feel is very important. 
I get calls on a regular basis now from people who donate to our foundation, people who write me letters, people who want to call to tell me they're proud of me and to thank me for what I'm doing and to, and to tell the guys in the jail how much they love them and how much they support them. But you know what also they tell me? They tell me how disgusted they are with the Republican Party. They tell me how disappointed they are with their senators and their congresspeople in their own states and that they're going to rethink their vote in 2022 and rethink their vote in 2024. And I can tell you, and I pray, pray President Trump hears this. I get so many letters of people telling me how much they love Donald J. Trump, how much they still support him, how much they know he is the president, the real president how much they feel there were so many inconsistencies with the election. I, I just, I want him to know, I know he knows this, but we love him. And so many people want him to know that. And I have a lot of letters yes. stating that. So I want to put that out there. That, that's important so, to uh, note uh, that, that this is a litmus test. You know, just like we know who the real rhinos are and who the real deep staters are by how they handled uh, January 20th, uh, you know, with with the voting, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to certify a fraudulent election there. This is another litmus test, you know, another time around, another test for all the Republicans to find out who has a backbone and who doesn't. And I certainly hope that they get voted out based on this and other tests along the way. Uh, so people can go to your website. They can donate. What, what other things can they do? Yeah, so um, I'm, I have a legal defense fund that I've put together. Um, so there's that. We, you know, we're, we're supporting the families, you know, helping with bills, helping with emergency needs. We have Adopt a 1-6 program to help, you know, for the holidays. You can adopt a 1-6 family and send gift cards or a monetary donation um, to go to that family. Um, and I'm putting together an online mental health community just for the 1-6ers. I've had great response to that uh, because there's a huge need for it, huge need for mental health, um, you know, support. There's a lot of brokenness, um, a lot of wives that are just missing their husbands terribly, a lot of children missing their, their daddies and, um, and they need support. So there's so many ways that we need help. And the biggest thing of all, where's the criminal defense lawyer, Sean? Where are they? Why are they not coming forward, stepping forward and saying, I want to volunteer my pro bono services and help these people, these good Americans? Where are they? Well, hopefully they can contact you through your website, because I know we've got some lawyers who watch the show. I'm praying, praying for that. Absolutely. So you also probably appreciate prayers for your project. I do very much. I have people that call to pray with me all the time. I had a wonderful woman call me today. She prayed over the phone with me. Um, I love those calls. I love the cards I get. I love the letters I get. People in this country are, they're amazing. They're, there's amazing We're people We're going to get here. through this, aren't we? We're going to get through this just, just like we've gotten through everything else in this country. We're going to come out better than before. I mean, Donald Trump says it himself, the best is yet to come. I know this is a dark time, but because of you and the support that you are helping and because of the community you're building and the patriots who are supporting, we are going to get through this. And we're going to hold the people accountable who did this to them. And we're going to primary all those rhinos 
Uh, you know, uh, this is going to cause a change. We're going to learn from this and we're going to come out stronger than before. And I think what the left is doing, you know, and they don't realize it, is they are sharpening uh, the iron of those patriots and they're strengthening them to become warriors, even stronger warriors for our country. And so uh, they're creating them to be mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually and politically savvy and smart and strong uh, i'm looking forward to them joining rejoining their communities reintegrating in their communities and becoming the new leaders we need it we need it sean and i pray everybody remembers what is going on in this country right now on all fronts when they step into that that voting booth next november absolutely remember one six on november 3rd Thank you so much, Cynthia Hughes, creating uh, advocacy for the one six families. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, we have some final announcements here. We've got the 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. Premium subscribers can join that Zoom call with James Grunvig and Major Jeffrey Prather. You can get your questions answered there only for premium subscribers. You can sign up on our homepage. On December 9th in Sarasota, Florida, we got a free Patriot event, Pastor Paul Blair. Reclaiming Liberty and Christian Values. All right. And we also have tomorrow foreign policy expert Mike Gonzalez to discuss his new book, BLM, A New Marxist Revolution. That's going to be a really good one. He's from the Heritage Foundation. And next up tonight, we have Patriot Street Fighter Scott McKay, 7 p.m. Eastern. Join me every weekday, 6 p.m. Eastern, Making Sense of the Madness. God bless all you patriots and good night.